the Center for Interfaith Cooperation in Indianapolis, Indiana, is dedicated to building peaceful dialogue among and between different faith communities with the help of a diverse board of faith leaders who have incredible stories that inform their interfaith work. Today we have Chris Melton joining us, so so glad you're here, Chris. Thank you. It's, I'm thrilled to be here. It's great to have you. And I would love to start with just hearing a little bit about yourself and what you're involved in within your faith, but also outside, just in the Indianapolis community. Well, I'm a member of Second Presbyterian Church, and I have worn a lot of hats there uh-huh. <laughs> as a volunteer, you know, just as a congregational member. Mm-hmm. But I'm currently uh, on session as an elder. I'm, re- I'm a returning oh, elder. Cool. So um, that's where I spend a lot of my volunteer hours. I'm also engaged in a ministry at St. Luke's Methodist Church, which okay. is around the corner. Mm-hmm. And it is a healing ministry that I got called into about... Um, Nine years ago. Me. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes. Um, it's a ministry that was developed by an Episcopalian uh, woman priest. And she felt that when she would do a service of wholeness and communion and anointing, that people wanted more and she wanted to give more, but she wasn't. She had no idea what that was going to look like. But mm-hmm. over time... And in conjunction with a, a, a woman medical doctor, um, they tossed around the idea of doing a type of a, um, a healing that involved prayer, presence, and light touch. Interesting. And, out, and then she also, they also consulted with a lot of people that have hands-on experience with people, um, chiropractors, people that do massage. Mm-hmm. So over time, they developed this um, protocol called the Pilgrimage Healing Ministry, and St. Luke's is the national training center for that. I'm a trained healer, and cool. I can, I'm can i trained to certify and train others. Interesting. That's a, such a cool part of ministry that I've never heard about before. Well, neither had I. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Nice. And St. Luke's has board members here at the CIC, too. So yes, they do. So that's a really mm-hmm. great partnership. How did you hear about the CIC? I first heard about it after um, returning from Israel, Palestine, and Jordan uh, on a trip that we did with Second Presbyterian Church. Wow. And when I came back, I was so taken by my experiences there mm-hmm. that I just felt that I wanted to connect on a deeper, deeper level with people that were not like me, that were more like people I met over there. And at that time, um, there was a small group of people, Dr. Kent Millard and Dr. Lewis Galloway from my church, um, a few other people, and Charlie Wiles. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was invited to go to a meeting where they were all discussing an interfaith, the possibility of an interfaith trip mm-hmm. cool. um, with all three faiths represented. Um, so I w- that's how I met Charlie and how I kind of heard about CIC. Uh-huh. How has it been since being a part of this interfaith group? Have you been able to have some of those conversations like you had over in Israel and Palestine? Well, I am a brand new board member, mm-hmm. and I have come to the orientation meeting with the other new folks. <laughs> I was out of town for the big board meeting, so other than attending the banquet this past Sunday night, which was phenomenal, where I did get to meet Good. some people, yeah. but sort of superficially because it was a big banquet mm-hmm. event. 
um, I'm just dipping my toes in the water and, and starting my journey. Absolutely. That's exciting, though. Mm-hmm. You'll get to have a lot of those cool conversations, I'm sure. I'm looking forward to it. Can you speak a little bit about your experience in Israel and Palestine, what you learned there, and maybe some of the conversations you had with people? What I loved the most was when the trip was devised, um, Dr. Galloway and his wife were the leaders, and they said they just they didn't want to just go see the old stones, as they called it. They We, mm. we wanted to have that experience of all of the holy sites and the things that have been there for you know, such a long time. Mm-hmm. But we also had, as a component of our trip, the opportunity to meet people of the three major faiths and discuss things on both a faith level, a political level, a sociological level. Wow. Um, so it was quite extraordinary, and we had a chance to inter- interact with um, people and really ask questions and, and go deeper into mm-hmm. that experience. Um, and I was just ca- I was captivated by everyone I met. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't always agree on things, but as human beings, I felt drawn to them, and I would have loved to spend more time with them. Yeah, there's a lot of just pain I feel like in that area, and to be able to go and experience that and see how faith works along inside that must have been really powerful. It was quite extraordinary, and there was there were so many moments um, at the end of each day before dinner. Our our group would gather the, those there were about thirty five of us that went on that trip, and we would gather for a time of reflection and just mm-hmm. to kind of. Um, do some debriefing about the day we had had and what we had seen and what had touched us and what had moved us. And the question was always asked, where did you see God today? Hmm. And it's impossible not to see him over there, regardless of who you're with, who you're speaking with, what situations you're in. Mm -hmm. Wow. Can you talk a little bit about your faith journey? Just were you Christian when you grew up and maybe how that evolved over the years? Well, I grew up. Um, I grew up in an extended family of very faithful people, who really didn't just talk about faith; they lived it. Mm. So more, I learned by their example. Probably, I grew up um, in the Methodist faith, mm-hmm. and um, I lived on a farm. So a lot of what I knew about God, I learned from a very early age from just being in nature and seeing those wonderful marbles. Um, yeah. I loved being outdoors. I, I I was the oldest of five, so I was always with my dad outside. Uh-huh. And if we weren't working, I was just out. Um, I had my favorite places. I was very contemplative. I liked my solitude, and I liked to ponder and think about things. Mm-hmm. But I think that was my beginning, work. you know, working into kind of understanding who God is. And... You know, I saw at a very young age, I saw dying and birthing, you know, mm-hmm. because we had a dairy herd. And mm-hmm. um, I saw the miracle of putting a seed in the ground no bigger than your fingernail and it producing, a, <laughs> you know, eight foot stalk of corn with three ears on it, each with hundreds of kernels that had that same capability of replicating themselves. To Interesting, such a yeah. So, um, you know periods of drought and it would rain and we would all rejoice and say thank you God you know it was just a part of my life journey Um, Mm -hmm. it wasn't separate from the way I grew up 
Interesting. And how that how did that evolve over the years? Mm-hmm. Was it a continuous faith? Were there ever any challenges that you encountered? Well, I think it's like, you know, I went to college and um, got married and moved away from my family. And so I wasn't probably as faithful as I'm looking back, I think. I feel like we always yeah. have those times I'm experiencing yeah. in college. Yeah. I, I think my faith was still there, but I wasn't as actively engaged in the rituals of mm-hmm. my faith. Um, so when I first, when I had my first child and my husband and I looked at each other and we made we made, we decided we needed to make, um, you know, find a church and make that kind of life a priority for us and for our children. Mm-hmm. So that got me engaged again. I see. Awesome. And over the years, I know me personally, I identify as a Christian as well. Mm-hmm. And so I commonly combat misconceptions of people who have been harmed by Christianity and how they've turned away from the faith due to that. And so part of what I'm trying to do and as I pursue my faith in Christianity is to try and correct some of those wrongs and show that Christianity is so much more than some of these harms. Like it isn't even that at all. Um, so have you ever come across that? Oh, yes. <laughs> it's, it's, it's really one of the things that bothers me the most. And I think one of the reasons why I'm here, um, I, um, I talked to Charlie about this. I said, you know, saying you're a Christian these days doesn't really explain entirely who you are because there's so many different ways people call themselves Christian. Mm-hmm. And their behavior doesn't always seem very Christ-like to me. So I just kind of say, you know what, I am attempting to follow Christ. You know, I'm, I'm an imperfect follower, but I believe that that is the road we're called to follow, the, the values we're called to, um, right. to manifest in the world. And, um, but yes, it's so, it, it really is. It's, it's a word that's fraught with so many different, not just meanings, but emotions that are evoked in people because not everybody has the same experience of right. um, either being a Christian or knowing people that call themselves Christian. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and then you you expand that across other faiths in the world today. Exactly. Yeah. Um, it's no no faith is one size fits all. I don't think so. Mm-hmm. We have lots of room for misunderstanding. Yeah, that's a valid point. Mm-hmm. I feel like often when I say what I am, there's a follow up of, but this is what <laughs> <laughs> how I follow, and because uh, your experiences are valid, and I want to be able to correct and help and all this stuff. Yeah, but you almost need a disclaimer. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Have you seen that Christianity encourages interfaith work in your experience? Oh, I believe it does. You know, I believe. Um, that when you understand that a loving God created all of us, we are all his children, um, and no one is really to be excluded from um, our faith. Jesus modeled that so well. I mean, he extended inclusive hospitality Mm -hmm. to to all he encountered, and especially those people that were always on the margins, those people that were considered to be outcast or looked down upon, Mm -hmm. um, not worthy. And so that model of inclusiveness, I think, calls us to be that way in the world. Definitely. I've been trying to wrestle with staying true in your faith and seeing as though 
Christianity has kind of this great commission mindset and that this is the way. So there's an exclusivism inherent in the faith, but I want to remain true to my faith while encouraging Mm -hmm. inner faith. So how do you reconcile this idea of conversion with interfaith and trying to allow others to also worship their own faiths and celebrate their own truths. Is there a medium between those or how do you see that working? Um, <laughs> I, I, I believe in respecting other people. Mm-hmm. And if they, if they have another name for God, another way of worshiping the divine, um, I don't think we're supposed to be judgmental or reach out and radically try to convert somebody to our way of thinking. Yeah. Um, we're doing a class at Second Pres on Wednesday nights called, um, it deals with the spirit of hospitality within oh, our cool. faith. And it's been really helpful for me because what we're called to do is to be hospitable in this world mm. with mm-hmm. those we meet. Right. And, so many times we lay out an agenda or we have terms within which we're only willing to operate. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, you know, I'm, I'm a learner. I, I'm learning this as I go along. I, I have my own deep core beliefs that I think we are all created. We are in the divine image. We are all part of this human family. Um, you know, we celebrate diversity in so many areas of our life. We love diversity when it comes. We look at nature and um, even simple things like the, the color of flowers, you know, the more of the better right, in yeah. almost every area except in our humanity. And then hmm. all of a sudden we start segregating ourselves and pulling ourselves back and looking at the other and grouping ourselves and saying, oh, you know, but we believe this and they don't, so therefore we become judgmental. Yeah. I, I think we should cherish the diversity um, mm-hmm. It doesn't mean we have to assimilate each other's beliefs. We can we can build relationships and appreciate each other in yeah. spite of all of that. I like that a lot. I think that's how it should be too. Well, and often things get, as you said, misconstrued mm-hmm. kind of thing, and get those segregated parts of identity, and you solely see somebody for what they appear to you, rather than mm-hmm. sitting down and getting to know them through dialogue. Which I think is a core mission of the CIC in trying to promote that peaceful dialogue. What do you see as some of like the issues that interfaith may be able to help solve? <laughs> is there any parts of the world or any conflict that you see arising where interfaith could be a really valid solution? Well, I really hope it'll help solve some of our political discord. Mm. Because I think... Um, it has to start somewhere, mm-hmm. a healing and a, and a different way of interacting with each other. And the interfaith component is the best place to start because yeah. although we, we come from different faiths and different backgrounds, when you really look at a faith, we share so many of the same core values and tenets. Mm-hmm. You know, the golden rule is, is almost universal. Right. Uh, it may be, They may be used different words, but the meaning is the same. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think we have an opportunity through this group to impact other parts of the world. And don't have the answers for that, but I, I, I just feel that that's, 
it has <laughs> to start someplace, and this is a great place to start. And once we kind of learn how to navigate through that, um, I was thinking this morning as I was coming here, and I don't know why, but these words came to me. Mm-hmm. I think we're here to facilitate, to foster, and to forge. I like that. To, philis- to facilitate, well, to say to foster relationships with other faiths and people unlike us, and then to f- facilitate fostering that for other people. Mm. And hopefully through that, we can forge relationships and, and alliances and new ways of understanding each other. Definitely. Um, but it all starts with me finding out for myself <laughs> how to do that too. Yeah, absolutely. I think something that I've talked to with Charlie and other board members is that the CIC definitely attracts people who are interested in interfaith dialogue, right? Mm-hmm. And so how do you take this notion and apply it to people on the margins who may see somebody of a different religion as a threat or something because they probably wouldn't be attracted to the CIC. So how do we take your mission and apply it broadly? so to speak. And therein lies the problem. And therein lies the problem. <laughs> exactly. Uh, that's why I'm here. I'm here to help, <laughs> to help in some small way, any way I, I can, I can add to the conversation or, or help be a part of a solution. Yeah. I don't really know what that's going to look like yet because I'm so new. Absolutely. But I just feel convinced that this is, this is the place, you know, the mm-hmm. foundational work will be done here. Yeah. And really, what we learn here, we will, you know, it's not just a matter of um, sitting here and, and learning how to do this. We have to embody it when we go out and interact with, with other people. So I think mm-hmm. if, if it becomes a part of who we are, there'll be a ripple effect. Yeah, that's the hope. I like that idea. Mm-hmm. And the fact that you're so open to learning first, I think that's a big deal because we come in with our own lens and our ideas mm-hmm. and ways that things are supposed to go. So to be able to come to an organization like this where everybody's open to learning, I think it's a good place to start mm-hmm. for sure. So to you to summarize, Chris, what is interfaith to you? If you could give it a broad definition in your experience outside and various travels and maybe with your little experience that you've had here at the CIC, what does interfaith mean? I like it to mean interaction with each other. Mm-hmm. I don't know how often that occurs, but I think it should occur. You know, just that inter, interfaith, interaction. Yeah. Um, providing opportunities. I think that's one reason why I really wanted to be on the program committee because I feel like this is this is what they're going to wrestle with. You know, how do we, how do we provide opportunities and situations and training and mm-hmm. for these interactions to occur in healthy ways, in ways that um, grow us in spirit and in humanity and um, make us agents as we go out in the world. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so I love that to be, I don't know how that's going to look and absolutely, I, you know, it's a process. I'm sure they've been, they've been at this for a few years and it's probably a process that we'll never fully Mm-hmm. master there I'm will sure always be work to be done there will always be work to be done mm-hmm. because you always have new new people coming into the systems and absolutely um, it's 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 probably our life's work 
yeah, I can see that. Well, thank you so much for being here. I loved getting to know you and hearing your insights into interfaith and why it's so important. But please stay tuned, listeners, to other board members and their stories as well. Thank you, Rachel. Thank you. Visit the Center for Interfaith Cooperation.org for more information and ways to get involved. Thank you so much for listening. Stay tuned.